Hey, you found the Rebirth Podcast, where we teach you how to let go and let life lead. I'm the founder and author of a book by the same title called Rebirth, which you can find online or at your favorite bookstore. This is the space we use to educate and elevate. And I feel that this episode fulfills that on so many levels. We have with us today, Lonnie Harmon, and she's a licensed clinical social worker who has been in the mental health field since 2004. She's also though called the dating counselor and she lives in Utah. And what I wanna tell you about why I feel this episode is so in alignment with season seven to educate and elevate is that who taught you how to date? Right. Who taught you how to navigate the emotions that draw you towards a partner? Exactly. So I met Lonnie in, um, we might reference this a little bit in the episode, but I met Lonnie in a mastermind for course creation. And I really drew, was drawn towards her in our group mastermind calls because of her positivity, but also her authenticity. She definitely listened whenever people had questions to share, and, you know, and they're, they're asking questions not about her expertise, right? We're asking, there's people creating courses about everything. But she also is really funny. And because of the mastermind course, I started following her on Instagram because we were, you know, supporting each other. And I just really like what she does. And so when I was thinking about season seven, I thought, you know what? Let's have somebody who has a healthy relationship and teaches other people how to cultivate the skills to find a healthy relationship on our episode, you know, a little pre-Valentine's Day. So she teaches a course um, that she splits up the men and the women. And she says in the episode that currently that course is for heterosexual dating because she wants to, she's evolving it to offer others, but she wants to be really specific and accurate with what she offers, which is very Lonnie to to be in alignment and in her authenticity for serving. So her class is called Modern Dating and the next one starts on February 21st for the women and February 23rd for the men. If you're listening to this before Valentine's Day, that means you have time to sign up and you would go to um, her website, The Dating Counselor, or check her out on IG at her handle is at thedatingcounselor.com. I'll put that into the show notes. So she owns her own private practice in Salt Lake City where she specializes in dating counseling. So I'm back to telling you about Lonnie. And she has been married for 10 wonderful years to her husband, Mark, and has four beautiful children. She enjoys traveling, staying home, as well as a room full of family and friends and a lot of alone time. She writes on here that I didn't censor. I am thrilled to be invited on Kate's podcast. She is just a wonderful person. I know you're going to have a fantastic um, time with this episode, whether you are looking to call someone into your life or you just want to learn from someone that is incredibly authentic, honest, and has great wisdom to share. If you like this episode, please remember to share and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening to the podcasts. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Informally. That's good. Good morning, Lonnie. How are you? Good morning, Kate. I'm very happy to be here. So am I. We were actually, before we hit record, we were just kind of like sharing how ecstatic we are to be in each other's presence. <laughs> yes, it has been, you've been someone that added uh, a lot of good energy into my life the minute that you came into it. And I thought, I just want to stay connected with her. I'm going to just accept that. Thank you. <laughs> um, we met, we've never physically met in person, which doesn't matter because mm-hmm. we have the same resonance, but we met mm-hmm. in a um, master course to create online courses, Wit and Wire mm-hmm. with, with mm-hmm. Melissa. And I felt the same way about you. Like when we were doing the, um, <laughs> when we did the group counseling call or coaching calls, I guess mm-hmm. I felt like, I felt like counseling because Melissa it, it was, yeah, it was emotional through. therapy for <laughs> me too. Because <laughs> you have to overcome your worth to like yes. put yourself out there. And you had like, you always got what I was saying, which wasn't that you had to agree with me, but I felt you like listening, like really taking in and like trying to help. And then sometimes in my mom self with my erratic childcare at that moment, I appreciated that you just showed up and you were like, listen, I have it. And you gave me permission to do the same thing. I'm so glad. I I appreciated that about you too, because there was just, at the the time of, of that course, especially, we didn't know that my youngest had autism yet. We suspected we were doing a lot of the testing and she just, she is just her, her shining self and she will just show up no matter what. <laughs> so 
<laughs> oh, I love her. So I, I wanted to honor you for that as well. And you. you are, you're on here to share your work and your insight and your craft because you are the dating counselor. Yes, I am the dating counselor. It's this space that I've created in this community that has come that is such a gift. You know, sometimes we start our work from a place of wanting to help others heal or others avoid a, a pain spot that we have gone to. And, and I think that's where my my community came from. It's not where necessarily my, my background intentionally started, um, but it's where I've evolved and I'm so grateful to be there. Oh, that's beautiful. So where did you start? Can you give us the, you know, yeah. where, uh, you know let us know the background of where this all began? began. Yeah. So I have a um, master's degree in social work from UNLV. And my intention in starting that program was to work in addictions and behavioral addictions specifically. Oh. I had had um, uh, some friends and, and people in, that were dear to me had eating disorders. And in my undergraduate years, I worked at an inpatient facility. And the intention was go get your degree uh, do all your research and participate in that field. And I just, I really loved that field. And so when I graduated, they pitched me the job and I, it just was like, this isn't right. I don't know why I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and they were such, such kind people, uh, the, the owners. And they just said, you know, you're welcome to, to come in and out. And I think I did interview again with them a couple of years later, thinking now is the time. And it just, my course just, it just took a different path. You just knew. Yeah. I think that at the time in my life, um, I was in this transition of, do I want to be married? Do I want to stay single? Do I want to try to do um, full-time work and just immerse myself in that travel, all the, do all the things do I want to carve out a space where I'm going to make time for a relationship that I'm uh -huh. going to make time for motherhood. And I, I kind of didn't want to participate in the fallacy that you could have it all. Thank wow. You got that early. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, when, in, in the career of being a therapist, you, you, when you show up, I mean, you're all in body and soul. Yeah. And you mm -hmm. can get burned out really quickly. And so your off time is very, very, very sacred. And I was like, if my off time goes to being a parent, I'm going to be terrible. And it's, it's true. I was that's, just you need, nervous yeah. about that. Mm -hmm. That's really a healthy boundary. I mean, that's why I think I knew, well, I'm a mother now and I'm very grateful for it, but mm -hmm. I knew, I knew it on the flip side, right? Like I was like, ah, uh, I actually would rather spend more time helping other people and traveling and learning. And so we both sort of knew the reality actually I never thought mm -hmm. about it that way but it's like you can't mm -hmm. do both at the same time you really can't yeah not a, full, not a full emergence in the other yeah and and you know I think you still learn that because when you find your passion with with your kids and then with your work you're like well I just want to do all the things well, and I true. still I still feel like I, I struggle with burning the candle at both ends even if I'm not technically working full-time my brain is going Sure. I want to do all these things. And so like, what does wow. it mean to be the dating counselor and what, okay. So now we know your background in there and then you knew like mm -hmm. there was an mm -hmm. undulation of how you wanted to be so that I'm hearing that you knew that you wanted to have a space for motherhood and partnership mm -hmm. was kind of high up on the list. Mm -hmm. So tell us the story of your first engagement. So I, I think that this story is, is going to need a little context. Um, I don't know many people that that know some of the culture in Utah uh, from my perspective, but I think I'll just share a little bit about that. We so appreciate I, that, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, so I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and uh, the code name Mormons, but not the fundamentalist Mormons or the um, ones that are getting married at a super young age or marrying multiple partners. None, uh, of them, very, none of them on the Bravo specials. You're not no, part of the Bravo specials. No, bless them. No, but I am fascinated deeply by them. <laughs> I will admit. I will admit because I'm always like, anyway, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a, a, that's a, that's a, that's a, a second a, podcast we could do. It's just like my, my, my commentary on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake. But um, the culture here is still that you that marriage is a, is a goal. And that's if you're, if you're a member or not a member of the, of the church, uh, there's just this kind of cultural context that 
being uh, in a family unit is something that you want to do. Their, their kids are um, given a lot of opportunities to succeed in after school activities and um, you know the suburban life is just it's very kind of idealized here and mm -hmm. my parents were supportive of get your education and you know marry when you want to marry but I think in my head I thought if I'm not married by the time I'm 23 like uh -huh. I have probably failed because at, mm -hmm. at this point 23 I mean I had friends that started getting married at 18 and oh, okay. so I, I'm, I'm five years deep into the wedding seasons and all the people in my fridge and, you know, people being like, so when's it going to be your turn? And mm, are you dating somebody? And like, when are you going to pull it together? I you love the, the image of my fridge because it's like all of the, right? I got it. I got you it. Just, yes. And you're just going to wedding after wedding and taking a date or not taking a date. And, you know, you have to be in that bridal toss a million times all the single ladies came out to the floor and I was just like oh, I hate this so much because I started really identifying myself as the single status and if I didn't then I automatically jumped to well my status as a employable person and what I contribute to society through my work mm -hmm. and I didn't really find a middle ground it was either I'm married and I have status or I work and I have status mm -hmm. and it was really really tricky to navigate those things I had served a mission for the church uh, in Oklahoma, and on my last couple of days before I came home, one of the um, male missionaries there <clears throat> was, I, I had met him, and I didn't really particularly grow fondness to him or anything, but um, that, that was kind of this origination of when we met, and then a couple of months later, I decided to help throw a reunion for the missionaries that had come home. Uh, and he came to that reunion and he had never been to Utah before. So we ended up spending the weekend together and mm -hmm. just hitting it off. And he was from California and called me immediately and said, I would like to take you out. I would like to date you. And, you know, usually there's a space between like, I'd like to take you out and I'd like to date you. Yes. And because I think I was so versed in like, hey, I'm almost 23 this is when I want it to happen. I was like, yes, let's do this without really taking time to say, do I know him? Thinking, oh, well, we, we've lived in the same culture. We've just done our missions. You know, we both want to be married and have kids. Like that's enough. That's going to be great. That's actually really common, isn't it though? When the Super. mind creates that, ba that boundary, mm -hmm. then, then the story just goes through, well, this is happening at the time that this needs to happen from this place. Mm -hmm. It's really well articulated. Okay. Yes. And you, and you feel, you feel like you're being wise. You feel like you're asking yourself the questions that you need to be able to put a safety gate around proceeding, you know, and we would end up talking. Um, he came out to Utah for, you know, officially first dates and, and things like that. Although you have like your first four dates in one weekend, that's a lot. <laughs> and then I, came, I went out to California, met his family, um, enjoyed some time out there. And I could tell that things weren't necessarily like, oh my gosh, I would just be best friends with him if we weren't dating. But I thought we just need to give it more time. And, sure. you know, with the with his intention and my intention, we're going to be great. We're just mm -hmm. going to be so great. Mm -hmm. And eventually what that led to was his decision to move to Utah. And, you know, this was like... <laughs> I, I'm trying, this is going at the timeline is important, but it's, a, it's maybe a six weeks, eight weeks in. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's fast girl. Oh, it's fast. this there's, is like, there's this fallacy of like, if you just can't stop talking to each other and you want to keep talking to each other, then that means oh, yeah, they're they're It's going to work out. Like the hormone, like the, the chemistry is, is, yeah. is blocking the vision. So you're just but, like, what oh, I realized is it wasn't really chemistry. <laughs> it was more just well, like intention. Yeah. It's like we something that wanted. Okay. It. Fascinating. This is actually really important because I think this is the part where people who think they're really on target, I'm, I'm just mm -hmm. reflecting back what I'm hearing. You think you're really on target. There's some sort of emotional reaction and you interpret it as affirmation, but that's not yeah. really what it is. Yeah. So that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. fascinating. And I and I'm not really like checking in with mentors or anything because I'm I'm pretty much a know-it-all at this point. Like I'm 23. Y'all got married at 18, 19, so I clearly am more mature than you and can make better choices. 
And your environment is telling you to hurry up in a tacit way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My, my um, younger sister was also dating someone. She was 19. You know, it it was just very much the, like, this is what you do. This is Mm -hmm. what you do. My, My friends had started, I mean, they had either had a child or were pregnant. Like this was just what was normal and happening. So before you know it, he, he's moved, moved here and we're a few weeks in and I'm like, oh, we're not the same. This is uncomfortable. Uh-huh. I, I don't think I, I don't think I like this very much at all. Mm. And I was really stuck because I'd overcommitted to somebody that I didn't really know. And I, I, I just, I had no ability to figure out how to navigate that. I didn't know what to do other than just to try to say, you know, what, what I would and say what I did. And, and I think he just, he was, you know, looking back, he didn't have a two parent home. Mm. And I don't know that he knew what that dynamic looked like. So there was just some, some things in our way. And by the, um, on my 23rd birthday, I had decided I, I was coming home from school and I decided well, I'm going to talk to him today and we're just going to need to slow things down we're talking about getting married in February. This is November. I'm just like, this is just, I've got to slow things down. And as I walk in the door, he says, Oh, I've got your birthday presents. I'm like, great. No problem. He got down on his knee in my living room in front of my mom and my sister. Oh no. And I, yes, exactly. I, I thought, I don't think this is how I expected to feel in this moment, but I should probably say yes, because this is Whoa. what I've already told him. So I did. I did. I said that yes was, right then. I sh- that was a pure unfiltered reaction. I'm sorry for that noise. Yeah, no, wow. it was crazy. And your, your, yeah. your, your voice was exactly what my mother's face looked like. <laughs> <laughs> and my sister at the time, I think she was a junior in high school. And she, I mean, she was very wise, intuitive. And she was just like, oh, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be a good idea fascinating mm-hmm. but they're trying to be supportive of what of what sure. my choice is and what what else can they do and he's so excited and you know ready to go and so I'm like okay well let's do the thing and I put the ring on and and I'm just sad and oh. I'm a little mopey and I'm a little bit like oh well okay I guess this is my story I guess I'm just going to be different yeah Interesting. And I was, I was trying to be excited. It wasn't that I wasn't, but I didn't know him. I was engaged mm-hmm. to somebody I did not really know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like he knew me. Mm-hmm. No matter how much we had tried to show up, it was almost as though, going, kind of going back to what you said, as we were getting to know each other, we were also getting to know the idealized version of that person. Mm-hmm. Instead of really like sitting with some of the hard things and being like, so what does that mean to you? this is what it means to me. This is where we see the difference. How could we resolve that and get closer? You know, it it just was just, we were just not, we were not mature enough Mm -hmm. to know despite our ripe old age of 23. (laughs) (laughs) So, So over the course of a couple of weeks, you know, I'm trying to do wedding planning and things. And I just remember this one distinct day, my mom was with us and we went to go look at, um, a reception venue that I was, I was really interested in. And he was, this, this man I was engaged, he was just, a, he was a good man. He had a good heart. And when we were driving home, there was someone on the side of the road that like needed assistance. And he said, would you mind pulling over? I'm going to go check and make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did, and he got out and my mom and I are just in the car and she says, are you okay? And she's mm-hmm. very gentle mm-hmm. about it. I said, well, what do you mean? She says, well, you just don't really seem happy and excited. And I, I imagined that this would feel different for you. Mm. And I said, well, I'm not, Is, isn't, I, I guess I just resigned. And she said, well, sweetheart, have you, do you want to be resigned or do you want to feel differently? And it was like the first what time someone kind of gave me permission. Yes. Right. Do you want to feel differently? And I was like, well, yeah. Am I allowed to? And I think she got really scared at that point because she and he had become good friends and she thought, oh no, I mean, she knew she was very wise. (laughs) She knew. And she said, why don't you just go home and let's talk to your dad tonight. And we'll just, the three of us will kind of counsel together and, and figure out 
what's going on in your heart and see if we can help you make sense of it. Just the sweetest I'm, parents. I'm still sitting with, do you want to feel resigned or do you want to feel differently? What mm-hmm. a loving way to meet her daughter. She was so willing to say, look, I see what's happening, but I also want to support you. Yeah. That's implied. Like here's an exit, Mm -hmm. but I respect your choice. What a loving way. I just, that I can feel that someone's going to hear this and go, wait, I can, I can choose. Cause sometimes you get so in it, all of us, all of us, no matter what it is, you get in it. You don't, you're like, oh, I'm committed. And you don't even realize that there's someone Mm -hmm. seen or unseen, right? Cause mother's love follows us infinitely. Right. That is Mm -hmm. like, do you want to feel this way? Or do you want to feel differently? Okay. I'm Mm -hmm. on board for the rest of the story, but I just had to pause there for that. That's a really, yeah. So we, when we got to counseling with my dad that night, it was as though her permission unlocked my ability to really check in with myself. And it it was just this, Oh, what have I done moment? And my dad being a little bit more matter of fact was just like, you got to make some choices that are going to give you space and time to think while also respecting him. And my mom was more of like the, I am so sorry, this is happening for everybody. (laughs) And I want to support everyone and everyone to be happy, but at the same time, like, oh dear. So I talked with him that night. We kind of took um, some space. He was really surprised, but also I think a lot of couples go through that, like, or we've just committed kind of reaction and, and just kind of that adjustment if they didn't do it beforehand. So we took a few days and, and I had decided, look, I, I would love to still keep dating you. And I w- I'm so glad that you live here and I'm not done, but I really want to get to know you before we get married. So what if we pause the engagement, including me taking the ring off um, and we still date each other and I might need to go out with a few other people and just remind myself why we're good together. Because I, at this point, I think I'd only been out on maybe like one or two dates with different men between mm-hmm. the time that was like May to October or something. And he felt really uncomfortable with that. And, and I can see that, you know, sure. He, he's thinking you've just committed to me. Now you're going to go and I go try to date sure. somebody else. <clears throat> and, and I, I realized I created a lot of unsafe space for him. Um, and I think what I really should have said is I need to make sure that we fit. I don't know what that's going to look like. If that's mm-hmm. me just noticing what it's like to feel the energy around different men mm-hmm. that are in that romantic sense, rather than like, I need to date other people. I, I get, I get that, but just that I need to know you better. And I don't know a way to create that safety. I don't mm-hmm. understand the path forward. And he didn't either. And his response was, you know, you're in or you're out. If you want to do this, we're I understand do that this. too. Yeah. I understand if you that don't, we're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so is that how you ended? Yeah. So he was done. He moved, he took the ring back and he moved within, I think we were engaged for like two and a half weeks. This is, and a, this was right before Christmas. Wow. It was horrible. It was so horrible. And in, in my, in my um, limited knowledge of relationships and things, I mean, I'd, I'd had boyfriends before and, and dated before, but never to the point of marriage. Um, a broken engagement in my mind felt like I'd gotten divorced, which oh, is sure, so, you're so dramatic, so right. dramatic. But I just thought I, I have, you know, everybody knows in my community that I have failed and I've had this failed relationship. Everybody knows that we were engaged and now we're not. And then I have to face all these questions. And there's a, there's a high um, morality clause in my uh, in my church where we do not have sexual relations before marriage. And so sometimes when people break things off or they slow things down, there's this assumption that, that you have done that. And so you have to repent or do some of these things. And that wasn't the case. In fact, uh, part of me wishes we could have tried (laughs) more of that. So I could have figured that part out, but, um, it, it wasn't. And so there's just this, this walking around with this assumption and this fear of what are people thinking? Sure. And I wasn't mature enough to not care about that yet. Of course. Wasn't. Yeah. That's the age actually where you care deeply about what everybody else is thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I wished that, that I wouldn't have, I mean, my, my, my immediate support system just trusted my judgment and said, you know, sure. we know you and we see you, but it just turned into this huge depression. I, I felt like my life's plan had been derailed. 
Mm. What, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm now this, you know, divorcee at 23 with no college education. What am I going to do with myself? (laughs) What a a mindscape, right? But I can see how that, yeah, that's a definite mindscape that was created. 23. Yeah. Very dramatic decade though. The twenties, right? They are. They are. They're just this era of what am I to do? (laughs) What am I to do? What am I to to become? Where do I want to spend my time? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So where do so then I'm assuming we hit a, a, a period of difficulty right because now we're much difficulty yeah. as I mentioned my 19 year old sister had started dating someone around the same time well she got married that next year happily happily and they're they're right. still married um great great couple great family just the cutest sweetest and then the next year my older sister got married Okay. And, and I'm not, I'm not detracting from their joy. I'm just focusing on your narrative right now. And it's like, it just keeps compounding. It just I, keeps going. Yeah. Um, my friends are now in their second baby and sure. I'm at school. And at this point I'm scared to date. I feel yeah. like I have some kind of a malfunction and it really, if, if you're familiar with attachment styles and attachment theory, I felt like I'd had a pretty secure attachment system and then it just switched to anxious and my behavior was super avoidant. I was like, I'm just not even going to touch it. Yeah. And yep. it went into this space of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy. I'm. Does it almost feel like this is what I, I had for myself is like, you feel like your compass is broken. Like, how did yes. I, how did oh, I what not a beautiful do this? Way to put that. Mm-hmm. And that, that creates a lot of lack of trust because you're like, I, I should have known this about myself. And now that I didn't, yes. what do I know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then my relationship with God was really difficult because I felt like I'd been prayerful. And I said, you know, why didn't you tell me that this wasn't mm-hmm. going to work out? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of crickets. Like, that's not my, it's not my job. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also like, love you. Yeah. <laughs> Lo- yeah. Like, and I did. Yeah. There Isn't were, that there part were of it? That, that I feel like I had to recognize my job versus his job. So well said. Yeah. And this this was good life lesson for parenting as well as down the line. <laughs> but like, say, this sounds eerily familiar. <laughs> right? Where I just felt like I did not do my homework. I didn't do my homework. I just expected him to do it for me. And I was just like, tell me if it's going to be a no. If not, I'm just going to blindly move forward. I can hear because I know a little bit about your, um, this is the, like the classes that you do. I can hear how some of this language, you know, not a big surprise that this would mm-hmm. fortify you to hold this space. And I can hear where do you mm-hmm. want to feel differently would come in. I could hear, do your homework. Cause I know you do give like dating homework assignments too. Mm-hmm. Stuff yep. like that. So I'm really tracking how this be- becomes the birth for the work that you're meant to do. Tell yeah. now I know that, and fill in the gap if I, cause I don't want to peek too deep into like, we understand you're in this compounded depression mm-hmm. state, but I also know you have this really funny person that does your reels with you that I oh love. Gosh. Like you Isn't guys did best. this. He's the best. I've never met him, but the one you guys did where you went into the dollar store to pick oh out gosh. gifts is one. And you, I mean, if you haven't, this is in the show notes, but if you, if you aren't following or haven't peeked over at um, the dating counselor on, on IG, that's your handle, right? At mm-hmm. the dating counselor mm-hmm. uh, and see some of the reels you do with this mysterious, lovable man, the oh, timing so- and the tempo and the, fu- like, he's not just there because he was told to like that. You guys are funny together. Yeah. He has, um, he has this, uh, this, this ability to show up on camera that is just so hilarious. And I didn't know, we didn't know this about each other, but the, the, the journey of getting to the place where I found and recognized him and that my soul kind of recognized him in a way uh, started from that broken engagement. And it took so much effing work. <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if we swear in your podcast, but it took so much more work than I felt like my counterparts had to work. They just would mm-hmm. find somebody and get married. Mm-hmm. But the beauty in all of that was such a journey of self-love and the ability to show up for myself in a way that now is exclusively what I do. Um, you know, when you go to school to become a therapist, you're exposed to a lot of other therapists and that's such a gift. 
And rather than just asking my questions about my clients, I was like, and so what about this for me? (laughs) And I would get a lot of different opinions. And then I would say, well, what, what books do you read about relationships and what couple, um, relationship books or theorists or whoever do you like? And, and I just kind of immersed myself in all of that. I thought if I'm going to do a relationship, I'm going to just at least know better the boundaries of what a healthy one looks like in formation. Cause I feel like I knew what it looked like in marriage. My parents were a really good example. I had good examples of marriages around me, but my parents met when they were three and four years old. They grew up together. I mean, what a, what an amazing story. But like, wow, I, that was not me. That, that wasn't yeah, that, my but story. That, that's not a common story, statistically. No, no yeah. absolutely not. And, and they didn't recognize each other as, as, you know, potential partners for years later. But, but yeah, like it was a, it was a really kind of a, um, big adjustment for me to recognize, like, I'm going to meet somebody and I'm going to need to get to know them well enough and decide if we want to actually be married. And then, you know, can we do this? Can we mm-hmm. take the long haul? And in a time period that like, you have as much time as you want, but if you want to have kids, like I did have a window. Sure. And so I needed to, you know, put, put it together and, and that. that So how did, how did you find your unreal co-star? Oh, that's cute. how did you find your real co-star? I did not meditate that. That is so beautiful. I'm going to need to put that somewhere because I love that. That's, he's my, he is my real co-star online and in life. Um, We met at a service project that we were both participating in for our different congregations, the same church, but just different local congregations. And how long-ish? Oh my gosh, so long. Okay. (laughs) I was 30. Oh, for long. I mean, I don't have any judgment of that, but of the storyline that you're telling me, that is a long time. In Utah, when you're 30, you might as well just buy a cat and get a condo and be done. Like, that's just like, you're, you're done. I had, um, at the service project, this friend of mine, she was just darling little 18 year old. And she, um, in, in our congregation system, there's a young single adult ward, which means you're 18 to 30. And then there's a mid singles adult ward, which is when you're like 30 to like 45. Okay. And the purpose of the singles wards is twofold. One, obviously, so you can meet other singles, but then also so you can have more opportunities to serving, serving the church and, you know, affect, affect your local areas and things. And anyway, she was walking around at that service project being like, she's about to be out of this and she really needs some dates. (laughs) (laughs) He did not hear that. Plus, thankfully he did not hear that, but we, we organically just kind of hit it off at that, at that event. Um, He asked for my phone number in a really like cute way. Like he just has swagger. Like, that's just how I explained it. Like, he just has swagger. He's just got this personality where he is confident and enough to try. And he always just had said, you know, like, well, the worst they're going to do is say no. At least I'm going to know and I can move on. And Mm -hmm. I loved that about him. What a way to live. He wasn't afraid to just show up and be like, I'm interested. And we, we hit it off at that project. And then we had, like, there was a little dance that night that was very poorly attended. So we had plenty of time to talk. And he asked me out for that next Tuesday, which was shocking. I mean, in, in another kind of cultural phenomenon is that people are just, they take a really long time mm-hmm. to get to know you before they'll even take you on a date. And so the fact that he was like, I'm in, I'm interested. I, I'm okay being transparent. And, and then I learned on our first date, well, he's, he's, ha- he's been divorced. He has a son from a different relationship than the marriage. And uh, this is me. I mean, that, that, that was him just kind of showing up, being really open. And I, I had dated someone that had a child before I dated someone that was divorced before. So it wasn't necessarily a big shocker or something that I wasn't comfortable with doing, but what was new was just that someone was going to show up, be be transparent about it and be very comfortable in their skin. And he very much just showed up like, let's get to know each other. Let's just see what happens. And that's exactly what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for the let's commit right away. Let's be all in. Mm-hmm. You like me or you don't, mm-hmm. or this vague, like, I don't know, back and forth, hum ha. It was like, I'm in to getting to know you. Are you? Right. And I was like, right. yeah, absolutely. I would love to show up that same way. Very healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what he did was uh, create a space that allowed me. And then I feel like I did the same for him to just be ourselves, just show up, 
who we are. And, and that led to, I mean, our dating year, we joke was like our, probably our hardest year together because we just fought. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't want people to be afraid of fighting. I don't want people to be oh. like, oh, looking for that person where everything just, you just line up on everything and you get along. I mean, we lined up on a lot. Mm-hmm. We also fought a lot. <laughs> That's so fascinating. He, yeah, he. It, but we always. This is the thing too. We always fought to resolution. Until okay, we I were felt like, like there was a gem in here. I felt like you weren't just throwing yes. this for no reason. So I'm glad you. Like, so talk he, to me about that. So, um, oh gosh, for example, um, there there was there was some kind of I don't even remember what the argument was, but I remember that we were at a park close close to my house, maybe like a mile from my house. And we were arguing and I was just throwing my anxious attachment out there and just said something like, well, I'm just done. Like, I just want to walk home. Like, and uh-huh. he just very sweetly said, like, you can be done with me or with this evening. I don't know what done means, but you're not going to walk home. It's not safe. Let me just drive you home. And that's how it's going to be. And it was like those little moments sometimes. Well, that's he fascinating. Would just, he would just soften me to be like, you need to stop showing up as anxious. Just stop it. So just what recognize I- that this guy is here. What I'm hearing, and I am not the expert here, um, is that we are lulled, the group we, into like, it's so easy, so it must be right. But the person that was like a partner was when we throw out our defense mechanisms that are met, and that's actually more of an indicator. It's defining the resolution. Like, we're not trying to glorify the fighting part. We're not trying to glorify the ease part. It's like, it's the underneath part is what I'm hearing from you is like, yeah, kind so that's of like, making me like emotional. Kate. Like, cause yes, I don't think I've ever put words to it like that before, but yeah, that is really, sorry. Like that, that's what it was. It was just the, I value you as a person and I value what you bring into the world and I want you to be safe and happy. And if it's with me, it's with me. If it's not, it's not. I mean, it's actually kind of revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shouldn't be, but it, but it, but it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And when, when he, that was kind of an earlier fight. I mean, we would have other, other disagreements or fights um, on things, but <clears throat> what, what happened when he did some of those initial things was <clears throat> if I caught myself feeling anxious, I would, I would pause and he knew about attachment theory because he has, he's a bachelor's in psychology. I mean, okay. <laughs> he's a football player who has a bachelor's in psychology and has this amazing dad energy. He's just such a gem. And I would catch myself and say, okay, you are going to show up anxious and it's going to cause a huge problem or you're Mm going to show up secure. And it wasn't me saying he has to do this, this, and this for everything to be okay. It was me saying, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Your goal, your goal is connection, right? Your goal isn't to be the loudest in the room or the person that's right. And so how are you going to show up differently? <clears throat> and that was perfect for me. Uh, yeah. That was the space that I had to go into. And I feel like I'd been in there, you know, in that space in a couple of other relationships, but, you know, a healthy relationship sometimes really just does mirror to you, your flaws. For sure. Like that was your, <laughs> that was your journey to learn whether it was with him by yourself or whatever. So here mm-hmm. was a container where it was safe to learn it. That's what I'm hearing. Exactly. Like, exactly. That's amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the, to use the word you had said earlier too, partner, I, I always described what it was like to be with him is that I just didn't feel like I was doing life by myself anymore. Mm. You know, it was so <clears throat> nice to have someone show up in life with me. And we, you know, we're doing things with his, his people and we're doing things with my people, but we're doing our things and we're creating our time together in a really fun way. Like, I, I, I always tell my clients, you know, real love is a little bit boring. It's, it's not this like, oh my gosh, everything is singing all the time and the mountains are suddenly full of light. And, you know, it's like you sit at home and you're like, what do you want for dinner? What should we do tonight? You're <laughs> living, you, to, you know, right. You're, you're living, you're doing mm-hmm. laundry, you're grocery shopping, you're cooking, you're, you know, planning a date night. It's, it's very even kill low-key kind of things do you feel like that's one of the first gates I'm just making up that term that gates that you walk your clients through is like let's first talk about like if somebody comes to the dating counselor or you know I know that you have um, the foundations for modern dating which in the title Mm -hmm. tells me that you're actually teaching people like 
how to date because yes, we don't really know how to do that. Do we, we have these assumptions. I mean, some people do, I don't want to say broadly, but some of us don't. Well, I mean, we're not, we're not like hardwired from infancy to date. We're hardwired to attach. We know we want mm-hmm. people. We're knowing mm-hmm. like, I keep wanting to go out with people and then I really hate it. And then I want to do it again. Why is that? <laughs> Why best. do I keep going back and forth? <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'm stifling. So I don't like cackle into the microphone and shock someone that's listening, but that's really what it is, right? Like, I hate mm-hmm. this. I need this. Yeah. It's a dance, you know, or we just shut it down. Cause we're like, oh, did it? Didn't do it correctly. That's fine. Get the cat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And that dance of kind of going in and out of it is very normal and natural because we are hardwired to attach. But what that is, the first indication is like, there's some hiccups in your process. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're looking at, you know, a business term, there's a hiccups in your onboarding. You need a better onboarding process. <laughs> so I start there. Like we very much start with like, okay, what does it mean when someone is a stranger? You do not know them. You've never met them. AKA, this is what online dating is. You do not yeah. know them. What assumptions have you made? You've made the assumption that they're single. You've made the assumption that they're right. available. You've made the assumption that their name is what's on the page and that these photos are theirs. <laughs> and, true. you know, there's so many ways that this assumption is a safe bet in a way, because there's platforms that are trying to secure that for their, for their users. But there's also ways that it's not. And so we don't give it just this implicit trust, but we also don't completely untrust it and just wait for them to ghost us and do that. Mm, mm. We just show up knowing what like, this is a stranger. What information do I want to know? And what are they showing me? What are they showing me when they, when they are texting or not texting? Or, you know, do I have to take on the responsibility of making sure that all of this goes perfectly? Or is that a mutual responsibility? I think that's a really common assumption as well. Mm-hmm. That's really, I've never heard it said that way, but I would mm-hmm. say that that would be like a tacit thing that I have and mm-hmm. not just in dating, just <laughs> I realized in motherhood, I apply that. So I have to undo that assumption, not in my healing work. If I'm working with clients, I'm really clear, but then mm-hmm. almost in every other realm, I've had to like, reveal. So I, I just appreciate that language that it, showing up fully doesn't mean you are in full responsibility for the other mm-hmm. person. That's mm-hmm. really beautifully said. I like that. Yeah. And in this way, you're not necessarily going to um, give yourself this. Uh, how do I say it? This personality type that will show up be like, I know how I could get them to like me, That like the manipulative way that we can get someone to like us by being like, oh, I like all the same things. And you're so smart, wonderful, and beautiful. Like that love bombing kind of idea where you're like, I don't Mm -hmm. want to be alone. And so I'm just going to really butter this up. Uh, So how do we decipher that? Like, what does that look like? What's, I I always teach clients, like, if you, if you're going to be dating in the early relationship phase, you need to do some sorting. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be a fit for everybody. Everybody's not going to be a fit for you. Mm-hmm. we need to sort, we need to let some people stick and we need to let some people go. I love this and language. Super yeah. clear. It's embodiment language too. I could hear because mm-hmm. your body's going to tell you like, mm, and then your mind's going to be like, you're too old or you're too blah, blah, blah. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's, what's going to happen. Yes. The, the muddy, the body's like, no, thank you. <laughs> the yes, body's like, kind of going I can back to that, that first date, like being like, let's be in the moment of the first date. Let's not, it's not a job interview. It's not an audition. Right. Please. Like just show up, get to know them, be in the moment, talk about Mm -hmm. things that are meaningful to both of you and things that, you know, you'd like to know, but at the same time, you're, you need to level the, the space of getting to know each other through time and experiences together. If you don't give it time, you know, how are you going to really know if they're showing up in a love bombing way, or if they're really who they are? Uh, I, I feel like one of the biggest disservices that people do in dating and modern dating is they just cut people in and out so fast, so fast. Is that what the kids are doing these days? Like I, I just, yes. I, I see the online dating world and I'm just going to show my age. I'm like, Hmm. No, it it makes, it's, it's awful. That's what it just really seems awful. to me that there, it's just a quick impression. And I would rather do that like at the grocery store. Like I could, mm-hmm. I could trust my quick impression <clears throat> at the, I mean, at least to go on a date, right? Like I could trust my impression at the grocery store to go on a date. I don't feel like I can trust the impression 
on online, but that might be a bias, you know, I don't No, I think you're right because you, you, what you're trying to do is you're trying to feel safe enough or know that you have something in common enough. And there's some curiosity to meet online or to meet in person. But what you're noticing is that there is this, this ability to be in each other's physical presence that is going to give us a response that is either, I want to lean into this and I'm a little bit more curious or mm, this does not feel safe or right. good for me. And the, the advent of online dating, we've, we've missed all of that. We don't yeah, get in don't. each other's presence. So let me ask you if I, if I'm looking at the modern <clears throat> dating and you also have a podcast. So if someone's listening to this and is like, oh my goodness, this is a fun, sensible woman who can actually help <laughs> me open up my mind. Right. Because what you're doing is you're giving things that are connectors. Like that's what I think learning is like somebody's like, oh, I can insert myself into that. I can feel the truth of that. Like I'm more mm -hmm. curious about that. So you have your own podcast, right? The dating mm -hmm. counselor podcast. So that would be, mm -hmm. if you'd like want to put a toe in, you know, you want to surround yourself with new thought, thought forms. So your podcast right. would be a way to like, start to saturate, you know, cause some people might find this podcast when they're not ready to date. That's okay. Yes. It's a mm -hmm. serendipity. Get, just follow the podcast. You can just slowly mm -hmm. sip on that idea. If that's something you mm -hmm. want to bring into your life. And then if you're feeling like I'm active, I'm guessing, like, if you're feeling like, okay, I want to be actively engaging, but I want to engage in a different way. And that's what I feel like I've heard from your work and listening to you is that like you want to learn to do something differently then the foundations of modern dating would be a good place for you to learn and it's like a right. cohort or how does how does this work <clears throat> yeah the way that the course works is it's done virtually mm -hmm. um we go through a four-week uh kind of outline of the building process and the attachment process and we do it through the lens of where are you going to meet people and maybe what's the emotion that's holding you back from either meeting people wanting to venture into dating or getting to the first second date it's really mm -hmm. applicable the the connecting pieces that we do to wherever you're at in dating cool and it's really fascinating to kind of see how like what you said earlier too just creating a language gives yourself permission to be where you're at and then to also see where you want to go nice so the relationship world, you know, just whatever, whether it's romantic or otherwise, it requires you to be brave. So true. You know, yeah. you, you have to be able to say, I'm willing to get some, maybe some feedback that I don't like or have experiences that don't work mm. in the hope that I'm going to find my people that I want to spend my time with. I like that outlook. I like that. Mm -hmm. That's a and healthy so, outlook. Not well, so scary. Yeah, it's not as it's it doesn't make it like as in you the single person are the other. This is a very universal yes. experience. Yes, well said. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the clients that come to me have relationship anxiety, um, or they have they suffer from something called relationship OCD. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. So no. I'll just a brief on that one because I feel like it's important and, and it's not necessarily well known. Um, we all know the term OCD. It's kind of a pop culture term now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so OCD about blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's usually cleaning or like my personality is such X, Y, Z, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what, what it does is that the anxiety that it's producing the OCD, the desire for like, I am going to behave this way. And this is the outcome that I expect. And I'm going to try to control, oh. right? Uh -huh. Is transitioned and transferred to this relationship arena where you're going to say like, I am going to do these overt compulsions, meaning like, I'm going to keep it at arm's length. I'm not going to say, I love you. I'm going to imply mm. we're going to stay together without actually committing. You know, it's, it looks a little avoidant attachment at some points, mm -hmm. but then also, um, I'm just going to really like, I just want everyone's opinion. I want everyone to like them. I want everybody to tell me what I should do or shouldn't do. Should I send this text? Should I not? Mm -hmm. Like you don't necessarily have that you trust your inner voice mm. enough to be able to navigate what you want and how to ask for it. There's some assumptions that are made. It's, it's almost as though you are doing the relationship in your head by yourself rather than with the other person. That's really beautifully said. And don't, do you think that maybe we'd all do that a little bit? Yeah. I think there's a certain troubleshooting that we do before we're going to bring something to our partner. Like Mm -hmm. Is this something that I need to bring up or talk about, or is this relevant? But when it comes to dating, 
especially before we're even in a relationship, we do make a lot of assumptions based on, you know, things like how they talked, what they wore, what time they showed up, um, you know, something is like, oh, they're really interested in sports, which means every Saturday I'm going to be a football okay. widow in the right. fall. They're we just, just making, jumping. we just, yeah. yeah, we just kind of create this. And then we say, well, I don't want that. I don't want that. Right. What I want is this. And this, this entitlement to wanting this and this, uh, this space really prevents us from figuring out if that person is capable of that or would actually want that. And we're just making a judgment call really, really fast. This is really helpful language. Your podcast would is so helpful also in like kind of getting this going. And this next question is not planned and slightly unfair, maybe knowing this, knowing this and not assuming any relationship is perfect. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that I don't believe in that. I think there's working like, I think because perfect kind of would slide into that OCD category. You know what I mean? That we're not Mm -hmm. human. Right. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is like the glue that no, or maybe it's like the water. What is the the nourishment that keeps your marriage like healthy? Like, what do you think are like the core? Cause I'm hearing about the dating mm-hmm. and I know from the story that you had and then like, you know, where we go and, and, and your wonderful mm-hmm. husband and this family that you have. And so if you ha- hear somebody listening, like how does that transition to the thing that keeps a relationship like I hear a lot of alignment so that obviously if you have if you have good filters and good self-trust when you find the partner those would be Mm -hmm. the prerequisites for the marriage but like if with what you have now and how joyful you speak about your um, partner what would you say is what's feeding that very live entity right like a relate not entity is not a nice word like it's its own being right a Mm -hmm. healthy relationship is its own being so how do you guys feed yours I love that question. And I just think is the meat of why am I doing this to myself in, in a relationship being single or married? Why, why, what is it, what is it that's going to make this be the reason that I want to stick around and and what's going to make me happy? There's a couple of thoughts that, that I had. I think the first one is we both show up. Mm. We show up every day to, to our family to ourselves and to each other. Um, and the showing up isn't like, I am the ray of sunshine every day and cause that is so not real, sure. but I'm gonna show up with the intention to say, this is where I'm at, this is where I wanna be. Mm-hmm. Well said. And there's a universal acceptance <laughs> and understanding that where you are is so okay. You mean in your, you know? in your marriage? Yeah, in, our, in my marriage. So. Uh, I don't have this expectation for him that, you know, you have got to be the backbone of our family and you have to be the rock and you have to, you know, bring all this billion dollars in. And, you know, this is what, this is how I expect you to show up. I just ask him to be true to himself, to be true to his values and what he would like out of his life. And how can I support you in that? And if he's sick, I'm not like, well, you got to pull yourself together and go make the money today. Um, and he's different than, I mean, I I'm often with him, like, you know, you're sick, right? Just sit down. <clears throat> but I appreciate like, that. I appreciate yeah. what you're illuminating for us in a short mm-hmm. period. It's like, you're, you're giving us what sometimes is, I don't know if it's cultural norm or mo- maybe modern norm is like this, this TikTok fed expectation that <clears throat> is like rapid mm-hmm. and this, and what I'm hearing is a shift because when I'm listening to you talk actually and remodeling, um, I don't, I'm not trying to put that on you. When you're giving me a different dialogue, mm-hmm. I can feel how it's coming from your heart. Do you know, mm-hmm. I can feel it shift out of mental expectation and I'm not putting this on you hundred percent. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, if we're running at 60 or 70% that this is where we're running from, that's, a, that mm-hmm. creates a different ecosystem for people to grow. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I think you're, yeah, you're right. And when you, when you kind of come into your relationship with your, with your partner as I'm, I'm going to be learning. And I, I assume that you're going to be learning too. And our intention is to show up and to support each other in the growth process, but then also to have a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Like he makes me laugh and not in the, oh my gosh, I just want someone that makes me laugh. I hate that. I should, I want, like, before I even said that, I was like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to do that. I just want someone to make me laugh. 
He didn't make me laugh all the time when we were dating. Okay. <laughs> but- well, tell, give us the behind the scenes of a reel. Like, because I feel like oh my gosh, a reel tells us a lot about your relationship. I really do. So I'll tell you the very first reel. And then since then, the very okay. first reel, I um, had explained to him a little bit about what they looked like and what they were. And he's, he's always been so supportive of my aspirations to help people, whatever population I'm working with, he's been very supportive. And as I've been working with singles almost exclusively since 2014, he knew, you know, this is going to be for that kind of audience and things. And he was just like, you're so cute. You're sweet. Hopefully I'll get this out of your system. You know, like (laughs) I'll do one for you, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then I think he had a lot of fun with it. And um, his son at the time we started was 11 and, you know, you want sure. to be cool to your kids as much as you yeah. don't think you do. You want them to think you're cool. <laughs> so <laughs> his son just thought, oh my gosh, they're online. That is so fun. And <clears throat> sorry. It's okay. So now when we ever, when we set the stage <laughs> to go do a reel, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I found one. We've got to do that. And he'll just be like, great, set it up. Oh, and so fun. I'll explain to him my idea and he'll say, okay, what if we sat here? What if we did this? Do we need to change clothes? <laughs> you know, and he'll get really into it. I'll set up the the lighting or the the specs of it. Uh, he has a really hard time not looking in the camera, which I think is now funny. But at first, I was like, "Don't look in the camera. <laughs> this is like it's like we're not." <laughs> but then he's a one take wonder. I mean, I can oh, probably he? get out of one or two takes absolutely. And no he'll have this idea so fun. He's of how present. he of like how he wants to do it or what he wants to do, and he won't tell me. And so then I get, he gets a genuine reaction out of me because I'm like, oh, well, I did not expect that. And then I'm just like, okay, cut. I don't know. Edit. (laughs) So what, I mean, you didn't know I was going to ask you this question that, that is to me, the proof of that you just show up. Mm -hmm. I just, I just love that. Mm -hmm. I just love that. So if someone is curious about Mm -hmm. learning more and they're ready to, you know, undo some patterning so they can bring in more fun. I mean, that's really what it's supposed to be when you do someone Mm -hmm. life with someone, right? Like it's going to be hard. I had someone say to me once, she's like, honey, she's like, life is hard. You don't need to add the sandpaper yourself. And I was like, a scold right there. Yes. It's, it's gold. So mm-hmm. if people want to find out more about you, they can go on to, I would recommend going on to your IG to do some of your it's real my, it's husband. One of my favorite places to be in life is Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so she's at the dating counselor. You're also on mm-hmm. Facebook. And then if you're mm-hmm. curious about your classes, they're, they're opening in just a couple of weeks, like just two weeks from when this podcast yes. aired. So yes. you have a woman's class and a men's mm-hmm. class and the men's starts on February 21st, I think. And the women's is on the 23rd same, same just vice versa women's is 21st men's oh, is so 23rd no you're fine and eventually we do integrate I don't try to keep people separate it's just that when I'm teaching the about the opposite sex it's just easier to teach it to a gender specific population and and right now the classes are tailored to a heterosexual dynamic just just to make that clear I'm yeah. working on um on other dynamics but I uh, want to make sure I get it right and not wrong so taking some time there but that's that's it's fun you find a community and I would love love to see people there it's a fun space to be we laugh a lot I tell stories I just don't I don't like the the way that uh I, I I'm never going to come into this with anybody being like I know how to do this and you don't if you just like come to my class I'll teach you how to like do it okay because I'm like yeah. way smarter than you you don't emanate no. that and I actually love that you separate the sexes I understand this might not be super I don't know but listen I was a I was a high school teacher and if you want to situate somebody into learning and opening up you better get them comfortable with themselves first yeah because if exactly. they don't they don't understand themselves how are you going to get them to open up to understand somebody else I mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant and I, I have no doubt based on your reels and what I know about you and how you make me laugh every time I'm in your presence, that it would be really fun to be in your community. And I think people just, and if you are laughing, you're opening up. And if you're opening up, then you're allowing yourself to consider something different. And that's really right. And I feel like relationships, they're hard enough, you know, in and out of life, just life is going to bring the hard, you know, bring someone along with you that you're going to have a good time with and that you're going to enjoy life with and just, you know, make life be a place where you want to show up too. Like you get to create that. I get to create love that. that. Make life be a place where you want to show up to. Lonnie, thank you so much for bringing your open heart and your joy and your stories. I love you too. 
I am so appreciative for you coming on the Rebirth Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Rebirth Podcast. We appreciate you sharing your time with us. If you like what you heard, please feel free to go ahead and share this episode or leave a five-star rating. When we support what we love, we bring more of it into our field. Just like this episode taught you how to bring more love or a better partnership, you can also bring in more inspiration and more upliftment by supporting those that create this content. If you enjoy reading these types of inspirational stories, hop on over to Amazon and get Rebirth the book. Thank you so much for tuning in.